the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, wishing you a happy Veterans Day. Uh, Of course, we now call it Veterans Day, and we sort of have... Many of us have forgotten the history. It once upon a time was called Armistice Armistice Day because it was the, um, in 1918, the treaty was signed to commemorate the end of World War I. And uh, that was called at the time the War to End All Wars. Unfortunately, um, we look back and apparently... (laughs) Apparently, that was only the beginning, at least, of modern wars. Um, the, the treaty was signed on the 11th hour, in the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And so we have um, today Veterans Day. In Europe, it's still called Remembrance Day or Armistice Day. Whatever the name, um, the significance of it is to honor those who have sacrificed so much for our country. Um, it's because of them that we're actually able to have this radio show today, and you're able to sit in your comfy house or office or wherever you are listening to it on a computer. Had it not been uh, for these people who sacrificed, all, many of them not only sacrificed limbs and other body parts, but their whole lives. And what about the the wives that they left behind, the children that they left behind, um, life upon life has been touched by all of these sacrifices in all of these wars, the subsequent wars and the current war as well. When will it end? Um, one of the things that we can do to honor the people who have sacrificed for us is to listen, really listen to their stories. And that's why today's show is called True Stories from the War Front. Um, My guest is Jonathan Hull. He has actually been fascinated by um, war, originally as a journalist, a war correspondent and bureau chief of Time magazine, and subsequently as a novelist, writing two books about war, uh, Losing Julia and The Distance from Normandy. We'll talk about all of this, but um, I think that the key to understanding why it is that it's so important for us to listen, I mean, you know, today, I'm sure many of you have already seen on television or heard on radio or or seen pictures in the paper of ceremonies uh, going on, and that's great. You know, we need ceremonies. We need to remember. We need to mark this day as a very um, somber and important day. But we also need to hear the veterans' stories. It's as if just waving flags and um, standing by gravesides were supposed to be, is supposed to be enough. And yet the real hard part and the most important part 
is listening to veterans tell their stories because otherwise it's as it's very superficial. It's yes, we honor you, and yes, um, we you know we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything you've done. But we don't really want to hear your story because that would make us feel bad. <laughs> we would um, some people would feel guilty if they didn't serve in the military. Some people would just feel frightened. Um, there would be a whole plethora of feelings that would be evoked. And um, that's the part that we really need to add if we're really going to honor our veterans and if we're really going to um, understand why it's so important to um, not treat war so lightly. And uh, this isn't going to get political. I'm not going to get into um, Iraq and Afghanistan and should we or shouldn't we or any of that. But certainly we would all agree that in a general sense it would be better if everyone in the world was at peace with everyone else. And I think by hearing what really goes on, rather than seeing the sanitized versions that we see in the news and so on, we would understand how important it is to try to find ways to achieve peace. So I'd like to introduce my guest, Jonathan Hull, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Carroll. Before we talk about uh, your experiences and the stories that you have gathered from veterans um, and what this has motivated you to do, uh, or maybe this is all part of it, but, but I would like to hear how it came about when you were, you know, I always put guests, or most of the time, I put guests on the couch. And uh, um, I'd like to know, and I'm sure my listeners would like to know, why it is that you have essentially um, dedicated a large part of your life, both as a journalist and a novelist, to thinking about, telling us about, writing about war. Well, it began as a child. My father uh, was fascinated in, in military history, so I inherited that. Um, and then um, I, I spent three years in the Middle East, and in, in watching um, uh, what people went through in conflict and, and uh, the consequences, both morally and psychologically, uh, of, of violence, I became fascinated in, in those implications and to try to understand them. I felt in, in, in any way that I tried to understand uh, humans, I had to understand you know, the question of suffering, the question of evil, and that takes you right to war. There's really no other human experience that I think so fully and graphically reveals uh, both the very worst uh, and also the very best in us. I mean, it's all there, good and evil, love and death, courage and cowardice, faith and despair. And, and I think that as a journalist and, and as a writer, I think that it's vitally important that we, that we confront and examine and, and that we mourn the horrors of war. Um, that said, though, uh, you know, I, I agree with, you know, when you pointed out that we get a sanitized version often in the media, and then in Hollywood, in the film often, we get a glorified version of it, um, where it has, takes on an almost pornographic quality. And I think it's essential that, especially today, Veterans Day, that we take the time to sit down with these veterans and listen to their stories. Let them try as best they can to tell us what they've been through. And, and to pass that on to the next generation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's we don't really want these stories to be lost. Um, and also, psychologically, it helps people to um, tell some of the painful experiences 
Um, you know, that's one of the ways of helping with PTSD, for example. Mm-hmm. But it also helps just in knowing that people are interested in their story, that they didn't just, you know, go over there and people say, um, uh, that's great, and not really want to know about what was the day like over there. Exactly, exactly. Um, I was, um, as a writer, I was amazed at how many letters, um, writing fiction, I got hundreds of them from readers, and many of them were veterans because of the nature of the work. And these letters were filled with the most fascinating stories. And often at the end of it, the, the writer would say, you know, I never meant to, to tell you this, or I haven't said this before. And I thought, you know, these stories shouldn't be locked away in the attic collecting dust. This is an, a, an essential part of our history, and we have, can't lose this. You know, we've lost in many ways sort of the storytelling tradition, and I think it's essential that we recover that and that these are passed on. Uh, one day I got a letter from a, um, a neatly typed letter from a former machine gunner in, in Patton's Third Army, and he wrote a long and moving letter describing his transformation from a young boy thrilled at seeing souvenirs, German souvenirs that were brought home by veterans of World War I, into becoming a disillusioned GI who was wounded in the Battle of the Bulge on Christmas Day, 1944. And to this day, at 85, he still lies awake at night thinking of the six Germans on patrol that he ambushed from his position 100 yards away, and he still hopes somehow he missed. Hmm. And, and it's just, you know, these stories. So I created this, uh, this site. It's called WereYouThere.com. And, and, it's, and it's a living archive of our experiences, of our collective experiences, of the people, the places, and the events that, that, that both shape us and that also shape our history. Well, now, you weren't in the military. Was your father in the military? He was in the military, and he was training for the invasion of Japan. Um, so uh, I guess... Um, I'm not sure that I would be here if uh, if it wasn't for uh, the uh, dropping, uh, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, but uh, that's a uh, a great tragedy in itself. And my uh, grandfather was in World War One, but he came down with the uh, mumps right before he was shipped out, and that was to to the end of his life. That was this huge regret that he didn't go over there and mm. serve. And did you, um, I mean, I guess you, ch- did you choose not to serve in the military, or was there some reason why you were excluded? Well, I wasn't excluded. I mean, I never volunteered with a, vol- with a uh, you know, voluntary uh, army. It was, wasn't, I didn't volunteer. Um, but I have always been, been uh, you know, I, I want to thank all the veterans that are listening, and um, I've always been just fascinated by, by um, and horrified, you know, by, by what we're asking these, these, these young men and women to do. And I think in many ways you can judge a society by how it treats its returning troops. And, and that's why I think it's so essential that we sit down and we, 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 you know, as you said, it's one thing to wave the flags. It's quite another thing to sit down and to listen, to hear these stories. Yes. So do you think that maybe that's why... Um you know, coming from this history of of a grandfather and father, and um, do you think that that you chose to you wanted to participate in some way, and so that's um, why, as a time correspondent, you were in a war zone? Or well, I mean, I think that you know, if you, when you get fascinated on a, a philosophical, a, a theological level with the question of suffering, with the question of of, of evil, why is there war? Then you you quickly find yourself trying to explore it on a deeper level. And, of course, being a, a part of that uh, in Israel, um, 
I was able, as a journalist, to go out one day uh, with Israeli troops on patrol then in, in southern Lebanon and Gaza, and I could feel their humanity, and I could hear them talk about their dreams and their girlfriends, and also the fear of, of getting ambushed, the fear of, of running over in a, 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 a mine. The next day, I could go out in Gaza with young Palestinians, laughing, gentle, telling me about their dreams and hopes, and afraid as we rounded every corner of getting ambushed by an Israeli patrol. And I could see on both sides the humanity, and then I could see how situations like war, I suppose, require us to dehumanize the other side, or we simply cannot pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, I know we're going to be coming up to a break now, so when we come back, um, I, I would like you to tell us some more stories um, about this uh, good and evil and what, what you were talking about at the beginning, how war brings out the best and the worst. I would like to. It's an important conversation to have today. Okay. When we come back, um, we'll hear more from my guest, uh, Jonathan Hull. And uh, we're talking today about, we're honoring the veterans today and talking about true stories from the war front. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST for 
4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, honoring veterans today with stories, real stories. And also we'll talk about some novelized stories, but um, the real stories that got my guest, um, Jonathan Hull to, uh, well, that made an incredible impression upon him when he was a war correspondent and bureau chief of Time magazine and then spurring him on to write two novels, one about World War One and one about World War Two. And during the break, unrelenting un, um, as I am <laughs> as a shrink, um, I was telling him, now you have to see, there has to be some connection, because actually, as he was mentioning off the air, that it turns out that his, not only did his grandfather have the mumps, which stopped him at the last minute from going uh, into World War One, but his father at the last minute, the war ended before his father was able to actually um, get involved in terms of um, the war against the Japanese. And so I... I was saying, and I reiterate, that I think that this had some um, some impact in terms of, you know, this this um, urban legend, in a sense. You know, this, I mean, how many people does that happen to, a father and a grandfather, ready to serve, and then something out of their control happens, and they can't actually make it, and, and then... Um, you know, as you were saying, I don't remember now, off the air or on the air, that they regretted not being able to serve their country. And so then um, I guess you took more of a sure route in, if not, um, if not in the military itself, than as a journalist um, that would see war, experience war from that angle. Well, I suppose I, I've been listening to you. I should have broken the curse, um, but I felt um, I did. I did inherit from both of them a profound respect for those who do serve, and the importance of 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 understanding what as best as we can. And you can never understand it fully unless you've witnessed it. But to understand, to try to appreciate what these people went through, because that is such an essential component of history. And of course, we all know the importance of of, of trying to understand history. Um, but I felt that my talent really, really laid in um, in, in in writing, uh, both as a journalist and, and as a writer, and to try to explore um, conflict in that way. You know, and when, once you have, uh, as a journalist, for example, you know, the experience of of seeing people go through extremely difficult situations, violence, conflict, you you see things you don't see otherwise, and you. You, you long to understand them, um, and fiction offers another way to explore that. Because, of course, in fiction, you can get into people's hearts and you can get into their heads. You know, it's in, in, it gives you a, a freedom beyond the quotes and the statistics to try to explore. 
as best we can. Yes, you know, I was just going to ask you, did you have a little frustration in terms of um, writing stories for time that told it like it was and then having some of that edited out because it was too gritty or it was too, you know, too too real or not pretty enough? Or simply, I simply couldn't get to it because I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, you can't get inside people with, with nonfiction. Um, you can quote them, but with fiction, I felt I was much more able to get inside of people. And I decided um, that I wrote about my first novel about World War One, and I spent uh, about two years just reading about it, and it was just, it was heartbreaking to read these letters from these, these, um, these young men um, in this cataclysmic clash between these 19th century ideals and 20th century technology, and I became fascinated by that. Um, and so through fiction, I felt much better equipped to explore on a more profound level what this would be like to go through. And, and though fiction, it was fiction, I did, I did scatter uh, throughout there some, some quotes from actual, some of the letters that I read. Um, I can read you a very short yes, one. And this ahead. is from a, uh, a soldier in the French Army, and he writes to his wife, I have changed terribly. I do not want to tell you anything of the horrible lassitude which the war has engendered in me, but you force me to it. I feel myself crushed. I am a flattened man. He was killed in action in 1918. And now here's Field Marshal Philippe Pitan describing the sight of French soldiers returning from Verdun. He wrote, Their expressions, indescribably, seemed frozen by a vision of terror. Their gait and their postures betrayed a total dejection. They sagged beneath the weight of horrifying memories. When I spoke to them, they could hardly reply. Hmm. Yes, um... It certainly does have that impact. I think, um, you know, even if even people who return home who haven't been physically wounded, um, I, seeing what other people are capable of doing to other people and and perhaps themselves, like you were saying before, um, or their people, the troops who in in their um, group. Uh, uh, it sort of changes what you what you think of when you think of man. I mean, it, cha- it it takes things to a level that people don't imagine, can't imagine before they get there. Exactly. You know, I, I think one of the most profound lessons I learned, I sort of thought it, but I hadn't felt it from my experiences in the Middle East, was that it could have been me on either side. That were I born in Germany in, ni- in the 1920s, would I have chosen a firing squad? or the uniform, that through the roll of the biological dice, happenstance, one finds themselves on one side or the other. Now, there's a few brave souls that say, they stand up and say, this is not right. But otherwise, when you see people fighting for something, for a cause which they inherited, and whether it's right or wrong, you see that inherent divisive capacity in the human heart, in all of us, that it's not them, that it could be me. And that was the thing, it could be me. Yes. And I think that that's something. I think that we shy away from a bit, and perhaps that uh, explains part of our reluctance at some level um, to go too deep and, and to listen um, on too painful of a, excruciating of a level to what these, what these uh, men and women have gone through, because we could have been us. Yes, yes, it's true. We want to think of them rather than uh, the, uh, us being capable 
of doing that if we were in the same circumstance. Yeah, I mean, surely I wouldn't have done such a thing. I mean, how could I, you know? Um, but perhaps in that circumstance, uh, you, 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 you may have. What are so, so when you wrote these, um, maybe you could give us a brief synopsis of what each of the books were about and, and some of the kinds of letters you got in response to it to them. Well, the uh, Losing Julia is about a um, it's an elderly American who's looking back on his uh, experience in the war. Of course, America came in later in the war in 1917, and about half the book is a uh, uh, goes back to, to 1917, 1918. And as he looks back at his life, he's reflecting on these two, these two um, absurdities. One is war, and the other is old age. And, and, and with, through those, he's trying to explore how, in the face of this, do we still endure? How do we find meaning in our lives? What mm. keeps us in the game? How do we impose value and meaning uh, through such difficulties? Um, and so uh, it, it set the, uh, the, the stage for, for, a, uh, for an explore, exploration of those themes, and the theme of loss as well a loss of his innocence, loss of those that uh, his comrades, and then there's a, a, a love story involved in it as well. Now, in the distance from Normandy, I spent a lot of time as a journalist doing stories about uh, the troubled youth in this country um, and gangs and such. And so I thought in the distance from Normandy, there's two characters, and one is a grandfather, a veteran of World War II, and the other is a grandson with sagging pants who's kicked out of high school and goes to live with his grandfather. So I thought, well, I'm going to put these two guys into the same room and just watch what happens. Yes. And they sort of circle each other and begin to peel each other like onions, unable to understand each other. And I thought, well, what is the distance from Normandy? I mean, if this is the much and rightly so heralded greatest generation, the implication is we've fallen from greatness. How far have we fallen from greatness? And, and, and it was fascinating to tie with these two characters to have them find some common ground in the American family. Uh, mm. across these generations, and to try to understand each other. Mm, yes. That it, does sound fascinating and relevant, and and, uh, um, and yes, it does seem like that was a time of greatness. I mean, even though it was war, the greatness was the heroism. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And yet those who, who, who fought in it um, did not often feel uh, like, like heroes. Um, one... Um, one World War II veteran on the, on the, uh, the uh, WereYouThere.com, he wrote, No one who hasn't been inside war, at war, down to the dirt and the expletive of it, can even vaguely imagine it. Those who have waged it and endured it from the ground down, any war, find it an overwhelmingly horrifying nightmare of inexpressible, inhuman experience. The naked truth of humanity's, yes, humanity's capability for beastliness is rarely conveyed person to person from one generation to the next. Hmm. And it's um, and I think that um, you know we wave our flags, we consider uh, these people heroes, and, and and rightly so. But but I don't think we fully comprehend um, what they're bringing home. And we're going to get a lot. Uh, we are getting a lot more young men and women coming home. Um, we have uh, on our streets. I think on a given night, some two hundred thousand uh, veterans are homeless. Yes, um, certainly, you know, that, that's the, the other side to all of this, um, the devastation and the, you know, I, I mean, yes, it's, it's so, uh, on the one hand, we have all the ceremonies on the days that you're supposed to, <laughs> you're supposed to do this, but then um, tomorrow, 
you know, what is the government going to be doing for these people who are suicidal and, and aren't getting enough treatment at the VA hospitals? Yeah, let's think about these veterans the other 364 days a year. That's right. I think we owe it to them. Okay, we do need to take a break. My guest is Jonathan Hull. He is a journalist and um, novelist, um, award-winning and best-selling. <laughs> and we're talking about um, the realities of war and what shouldn't be forgotten on Veterans Day and every day. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back with two true stories from the war front for Veterans Day. And we're honoring veterans um, with no flags, but with my guest, Jonathan Hull, who is a journalist and novelist and who... Um, has been looking at war 
from uh, actually being at the site of it to then putting putting what you digested uh, there into words of characters in two books, one about World War One and one about World War Two. And at the end, you'll give those names again and where people can buy them and all that. Um, but let's talk about, oh, during the break, you were starting to talk about, and yes, it's so true, how different um, today is the, from the way that people that we used to celebrate ar- when it was Armistice Day um, at the beginning. Right. I mean, President Wilson declared uh, in Plocker, uh, proclamation Armistice Day in 1919, and for many years this country came to a standstill. Cities came to a stop. And I think, you know, that we've lost that. In 1954, Congress changed it to, uh, to Veterans Day. But for a lot of people, it's just a day off. Um, my kids have today off from school. I've talked to my kids about why they've got the day off from school, but I bet you a lot of children don't know. You know, on Memorial Day, um, this past Memorial Day, I went to several different uh, uh, smaller parades in, in small towns, and there were as many people in the parade as watching. And it really saddened me. It broke my heart to think that most people were, uh, were tending to their barbecues in their backyards. You know, and I think it's, it's you know, that's where, and I think that it is so dangerous for us to, to lose contact with that and to lose that sense of reverence, of respect, of obligation, um, and to honor these people. Yes. Can you imagine how the people in the parade must have felt? <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, and I, and I find, just traveling around this country, that you, in, in many communities you would have no idea that we're at war. Two wars. You would just have no idea. And, um, and I think, uh, again, that's another reason that I created um, this, this site, this, this, this living archive of, of our collective experience called WereYouThere.com, so that these conversations can be shared and passed on. My own um, uh, kids, I watch them as they, as they wade, uh, slog bravely through their history textbooks. And you know, I have to remind them that history isn't just dates and treaties and royal lineages. There's actually people. And I remember, you know, I've asked my, uh, my daughter, uh, to read a post by a, uh, a Vietnam veteran that's on the site about trying to defend Hill 882 in mm. 1967 and, um, and what he went through. And she was in tears at the end of it. And history came alive for her. And we can't lose that. And I think that's vitally important. Yes, because the more that it's either um, made into, glorified in the movies, as you were saying, or that it's whitewashed in the media... Um, the less real it seems, you know, either way, and the easier it is to sort of uh, feel it's not important um, to strive for peace or, you know, these are things that happened a long time ago and won't won't really affect us in any case. Wars are things that happen over there somewhere. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I've always loved the line by the the great... um, uh, British uh, poet from World War One who also served in, wo- in World War One, uh, Siegfried Sassoon, who wrote, "Have you forgotten yet? Look down and swear by the slain of the war that you'll never forget." Yes, and I think that that's that's very important. Yeah, and when you think about the old movies, you know, um, newsreels or where you see ticker tape parades in Manhattan. I mean, you know, with confetti and and I mean. <sighs> It's just there's nothing like that. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a shopping day. Of course, you know, we don't have as much money as we did last, uh, <laughs> right. last Veterans Day, but there's always a sale, um, the Memorial Day sales. I right. mean, Memorial Days, there's Memorial Day sales. I mean, that's probably, you know, what a lot of people quickly think of. Um, and, um, 
and you know, I, I think you know we've got 24 million uh, veterans in this country. Um, once 16 million strong, the World War II vets, we're losing over a thousand of them a day. Hmm. You know, and um, and and I think it's just a lot of these stories have been captured in government archives and university oral histories. But the problem is, I know my kids and a lot of people aren't going to access that, and that's why I, I, I felt as a labor of love that I had to stop writing this book, uh, my, my third book, and create a place, a website, where these stories could come together in a meaningful way and, and, and to be shared. I have, um, uh, I'd like to read just an excerpt from, uh, from uh, again, from a, a Vietnam uh, vet. And, and again, this is a, this is a, a, a man, he earned, a, this, uh, was a recipient of the Silver Star uh, Medal, and he was considered a hero for what he did, and uh, to this day he does not feel like a, a hero. This is in uh, Cambodia in, in 1970, and he was point man as they were entering a village. And as he goes down this trail, he suddenly comes across um, six guys in front of him. And he thought that they were uh, friendly villagers. When uh, a soldier behind him said, you know, they're not, you, you know, shoot. Um, and he writes, for me, time went into slow motion mode. My knees were trembling. The hair on the back of my neck was standing on end. And I could feel bullets missing my ears by inches. It was over within seconds. Blood was everywhere. We killed six beautiful people within seconds. Mm. I have never felt such horror. We didn't receive any wounds to speak of, and our men were safe. And then as he goes back um, to headquarters, battalion headquarters, his squ- squad is the, uh, the toast of the battalion, and he's treated like a hero. And he writes, nightfall came, and I cried like a baby. I begged God to forgive me for killing someone's father, son, brother. I had never felt such shame and could not accept that awkward feeling that my grandmother was in heaven and had witnessed it all. Hmm. I just knew she would be so ashamed of me. Oh, wow. And he says, I will always carry the guilt, and I pray that I have been forgotten. I feel that they know I cried myself to sleep. I cried myself to sleep that night, and I believe that someday we will meet as spirits. And this is back in 1970. And this, 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 uh, this man, Carlos De Luna, recently had his leg amputated from a wound that he received in Vietnam. Hmm. So I think we need to understand that this is living history. You know, this is not when you go back, um, whether it's uh, the Korean vets, World War II, um, the first Gulf War, what have you, that these people carry it, these veterans. And, and we need to listen. We need to understand. It's, I think it's vital that we don't lose that. Yes, and especially, you know, what's especially bad is that the veterans with these moving stories, like you've been reading, um, for the most part, just keep quiet and don't tell people, you know, uh, their stories. And uh, the people who um, aren't familiar with with veterans or with particular stories uh, think of veterans as, you know, not only what they see in the news or on these in these movies, but people, homeless people, you know, in the street. Exactly. That that's the closest. That that's their the story. That's what a veteran is, you know, right. for kids growing up, and that's even worse. Yes, I mean the cliche that you know in this culture for Vietnam vets is so completely off the mark um, that you know that 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 that's you know the homeless veterans and so on and so forth and and, and the drug abuse. But that said, that many of veterans they they can't talk about it, and 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 you know it's. It, for understandable reasons, and, and it can take years. Again, yeah. there's uh, someone on the side, you know, who's 85 years old, and he can finally talk about um, the guilt he felt because he was wounded in Italy in World War II, uh, lightly wounded, 
and he was uh, he was uh, sent home, and he realized that his father had pulled some strings, mm-hmm. and he feels to this day he couldn't he couldn't admit that until now at the age of eighty five he's writing about that that this burden is carried, and and this is this is all of our burden. You know, it's not just yes, their burden. Yes. You know, the war is it. You know, it it, it doesn't end over there. And that's why I think it's so important, you know, today that you know we we reflect on this a bit and uh, and do so much more than simply uh, wave the flag. Um, so are um, are you have you been using either your novels or your, the website or um, the journalism pieces? Uh, have you been trying to use that to get more um, help for veterans? You know, for more care, more funds, more. Well, anything you know, of, of course, I'm I supportive, so supportive of anything that we can do to help them. But I think what I'm trying to do now is to give them a, another way to be heard, um, and and that's you know what what this uh, this this website is about. It's a place where other generations also go. They don't go to the national archives. Um, they, uh, I mean, Ken Burns did a wonderful job in the seven part series, The War, but but my kids they go on the internet and, and that's where mm-hmm. they interact that's where they do research and and I thought well what about a site that's for all generations and we can connect through shared experience at at, at, at some of the defining po- points in our lives and in history you know, I'm I personally I think many other people do I find a lot of the uh, the, the the social networking on on the internet very unsatisfying because the relationships are, are sort of artificial and you 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 ping and and poke each other and so on and so forth, and you've got 300 friends, and, and uh, I, it's, not, it's not too fulfilling uh, for me. Right. You know, the way we understand ourselves and other people is through our stories. It's through the narrative of our lives. Yes. Well, you know, I know this is just the beginning of, of um, this website. It's gr- growing and growing, but I think maybe it will be useful in the future as a place for um, people who are in organizations trying to get more benefits for the veterans uh, of different kinds um, will be able to refer, you know, when they're doing their um, lobbying or, you know, for example, they'd be able to refer uh, government officials and so on to this site to put in the human factor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's only when you create the human factor that you create, you know, the, the, uh, you impel people to, to do something about it. It's kind of like, you know, you hear from time to time, it's so tragic, on the news about um, a veteran who didn't get mental health services soon enough and he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And until you hear these, unfortunately, growing stories of this, oh, my, um, you don't really, everybody seems to be one one unit and you don't really care as much individually. But then when you put the stories behind the people, you know, you realize, oh, this is an incredible tragedy. Well, we'll give out that website again so people can go to it. And it's, it's wereyouthere.com, wereyouthere.com. And my two novels are Losing Julia and The Distance from Normandy. And uh, and I agree, you know, it's it's enough that we ask these men and women to serve, but the but to, but to not give them the help they need when they come back, I think, is, is, is really shameful. Yes. And I also want to give out your other website, um, your personal website, jonathanhull.com, jonathanhull.com. And that's also where you can read more about Jonathan, and you can um, uh, also um, see about uh, where to get the books. We actually still have a whole quarter left, so, um, so we can talk some more. So stay tuned. 
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. check. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with Jonathan Hall, my storyteller guest. Uh, Some of the stories are his novels, and some of them are what he actually saw at the war front when he was working for Time magazine. Um, you know, by the way, I want to make sure that, that I have time to get this in. When, you, when we finish the show today, um, my hope is that it's early enough wherever you are, and if, you can't, if it's not early enough today, then you can do it tomorrow. Nobody, it's, <laughs> it's still going to be good if you do it tomorrow. But um, to celebrate, to honor veterans um, for today, for, for today's holiday, um, you need to find a veteran and ask him his story. I mean, you know, obviously you need to be sensitive to how much a veteran wants to talk about it and how close what your relationship is with them, you know, um, which will also be a part in determining how comfortable they feel about telling you how much. But you need to, you'd be surprised, right, Jonathan? You'd be surprised that even, you know, whether it's um, a relative or a friend or an acquaintance or just somebody um, that you don't know at all, a stranger, that many veterans are just waiting for somebody to um, show an interest in what they really went through. Yeah, exactly, and you know we, we we do lose so much when this isn't passed along. And I, I think an example of it when I was at Time Magazine, um, 
I, I, I wrote a uh, cover story about um, uh, teenagers and guns in this country, um, the illegal use and, uh, and, and the teenage fascination with guns. And this cover story came out um, not long before the tragedy at Columbine. And I went to uh, Omaha. I decided to get away from the inner city cliches, and I spent a month. And and what I discovered among these these kids that that were that were uh, flirting with and had this romance with guns was it was a crisis of meaning. And 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 why does that happen? Because the culture's not transmitting. It's not transmitting its values and 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 its history. And we do that by sharing our stories. And I just couldn't imagine that if these young men had heard from veterans, for example, and had heard enough stories about what they went through, as opposed to sitting and, and, and playing these violent, you know, PlayStation games or what have you, you know, that, that, that perhaps that might have helped. Yes. Um, of course, I mean, that's, I'm a, a very strong, staunch, long-time uh, anti-media violence activist, and particularly in regard to video games, which is, as you, I'm sure, know, the way that, or one of the ways, one of the most successful ways that the government trains people to kill, to dehumanize the enemy. Exactly. And um, so we're essentially doing that to teenagers or even younger um, or even adults uh, all over our country, all over the world. And, um, you know, which is, which is so much. I mean, I've been saying this for a long time that these seedlings that we were sending out all over the world, violent movies, violent television shows, uh, violent toys, violent video games, music, everything, um, was really, they were seedlings that were going to take root all over the world and create violence and chaos. And indeed, that's what's happening. And whether you want to call it, you know, terrorism or, um, I mean, it's just making people more more um, desensitized and ready to use violence for whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. And what, you know, you look at history, what what could be more dangerous than desensitizing um, people or having them forget, you know, what the real implications of war. I, mean, I find it, it's so frustrating. I can't go to a movie, a nice, say, period piece movie, without seeing at least 30 people killed in the previews. Hmm. And, um, you know, with all the incredible explosions and this and that, um, and I would, I would actually suggest to veterans, um, you know, grab the nearest teenager who's, uh, who's playing a video game and, uh, and tell them, sit down. I'm going to tell you a few things uh, and, 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 and tell them, you know, what it's like, uh, because I think that that's so important. I think that we do. Um, we do glorify uh, violence in this country. I think it's important not to ignore it. I think it needs to be explored and understood, but in an honest way, as painful as it is. Yes, but this isn't just fun. It's not about who gets the most points. In real wars, bullets hurt, <laughs> and they uh, kill people. You know, they don't pop up again like in the video games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and, um, yeah, and it, you know, it, it, wars become, it's, it, it's about the latest special effects, you know, and I think, um, and I think that that's, uh, that's a real danger. And that's um, one of the most disrespectful things of all, the fact that um, th- this casualness that uh, so many teens, um, I mean, it's not just teens, but certainly we're seeing a generation, generations, um, who take to guns, you know, create wars in the streets, and that's um, so, so disrespectful, really. Not that they're even thinking about this, purposely being disrespectful, it's a different world, but 
to soldiers who did fight real wars. You know, it wasn't just, uh, uh, hey, man, you're on my turf kind of thing. I mean, I guess in a sense, I guess in a sense that's the basis of a lot of wars. But, I mean, you know, it's over something a lot more um, important. You know, it's over preserving a nation's liberty. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, one of the things that fascinated me, I think, about World War One is that the more I read about it, the more I realized that, that how we are all influenced by, by, by these uh, horrible conflicts. And I think that, that actually we're all still influenced by, by World War I, even though it seems like it took place in black and white. Because uh, the, the, horrible, the horrifying nature of this, you know, the first industrial level slaughter, this trench warfare, just, it made a, a mockery out of these long-standing and vital assumptions about progress and human nature and good and evil and, and the inevitability of progress and the benevolence of technology. You had this generation that, that, that awoke to, to the vast and seemingly tragic absurdity of, of humanity, you know, that evolution could come to this horrific dead end, a seemingly unstoppable war in which nearly 6,000 uh, sons were being slaughtered each day. 365 days a year, year after year. And um, I spent many months reading uh, journals and letters and diaries, and it was just to see these, these young men struggle to grasp onto anything that would give their lives a, a measure of hope and dignity in the face of such despairing conditions. Um, it was just, it was so heartbreaking, and I believe that that shattering experience, and you know, 240 months or so later, World War II, I think that that did a great deal to shape our contemporary sense of often of, of alienation. Um, you know that that on one hand, you know, here we are in the 21st century. On the other hand, take a look around the world, and, and you'd get a sense that we're actually at a very primitive stage mm-hmm. of evolution. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because war does bring out those primitive instincts and primitive uh, primitive feelings. And all of the civilization, to the extent that we become civilized, really goes out the window. Well, um, we do need to come to an end. I want to give out again the websites, um, wereyouthere.com. You should really check that out and add some. Uh, there, there are things having to do with 9-11, things having to do with places and people, and just shared experiences, Jonathan was saying. And um, it's just the beginning of this, so start adding your story. Read. There are, there are soldiers um, who have uh, started leaving their letters and so on, and, and this is, I know this is going to become a very important site and much more profound than um, we won't mention by any names. <laughs> But then some of the sites that just look at uh, whether you're in a relationship or not. Um, again, that's uh, wereyouthere.com and also jonathanhull.com, H-U-L-L.com. And uh, the books were uh, Losing Julia and The Distance from Normandy. They both sounded really fascinating. So thank you, Jonathan, for joining us today. And thank you for having me. And also, again, thank you to all the veterans out there, who, uh, those in uniform and those who have served. Yes, and, and, um, and yes, ask a veteran their story. And if you're a veteran, um, try finding a way to tell your story, writing it down. You can certainly send it in uh, to worryouthere.com, but just keep... It really helps to, to start keeping a journal if you haven't already, um, just even for yourself, and then you can decide later when and whether you want to share it. And it might be better than politics around the Thanksgiving table. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I think we've all uh, had enough of that for a while. <laughs> 
All right. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.